This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, my name is Katherine Smith. I'm the founder of Walton Birch, which is an e-commerce consulting firm based outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I help entrepreneurs and small businesses start and grow websites and e-commerce stores. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for being here. This is going to be cool because, first of all, I love talking about technical stuff and I think e-commerce gets a little bit technical. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for coming and chatting with me today. Great. Thanks for having me. So today we are going to answer the big question, what does e-commerce look like for lawyers? Because I know that this is one area where lawyers instantly think, oh, no, no, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have a website that sells anything or I don't have any products. And so e-commerce is is not my thing. So let's start first with how could that possibly be wrong? And how does e-commerce apply to lawyers and law firm websites? That's a great question. And when I tell people that I'm an e-commerce consultant, the very first question that they ask is, so what does that mean? Because when you think of e-commerce, you think of, oh, I'm selling art or candles or stickers or like a product online. And so service providers or just people that don't sell products don't really think of themselves as uh, e-commerce merchants, if you will. So for non-product businesses, I like to say that e-commerce is really anything with a payment gateway. So e-commerce is the the act of buying things online and or making payments online, I guess I'll say. And that that applies broadly to lots of different people. So for a an attorney or, an, or a lawyer, that could mean accepting payments from a client or for retainers and things like that. That could mean selling uh, courses or online books or other digital downloads and things like that. So there's definitely opportunities for e-commerce for lawyers and attorneys and other service providers as well. Yeah, I've had a lot of clients who they have sort of backed into it for exactly in the way that you've described. They assume that this doesn't apply to them, that e-commerce literally means I need to have something that actually ships some physical product. But then all of a sudden they're like, you know what, we have this we have this payment gateway and we want to allow our our clients to access their payment and their invoices and all of that stuff through our website. And it's like, okay, well, now we're talking about a different thing on your website because there's some things that you need to think through when you're setting that up. So what are the different kinds of requirements that a website has when you're entering into that realm of e-commerce as as opposed to when, when you don't have that that piece of it? Yeah, that's a good point, or that's a good question. A lot of people that I know are coming to e-commerce already operating, so they're not necessarily starting from scratch. So they may already have a system that does invoicing. They may already have a payment option, whether that's just like a PayPal or Stripe or some other sort of connection. So when they're bringing, when they're coming to a website, they're saying, "Hey, 
I'm already operating here. I don't necessarily want to start over from scratch. I want to kind of use what I have and then integrate that into a website. Like, is that possible? And with APIs and the technology available these days, it's absolutely possible. So the question to ask is, hey, what am I using now that I'd like to continue using, whether that's an invoicing solution or a payment solution or even a customer portal, a, a way that customers kind of log in and get their information. If I, if you want to continue using those things, like how can I integrate them into my website in a way that makes that in a way that makes that setup seamless for me as a manager or as a merchant or as a business owner, but also seamless for my clients and customers and seamless for visitors to the website as well. Yeah. So what kinds of extra things? I mean, I keep thinking in terms of security, but what extra things do you need to make sure that you need to change or adjust or add to your site to have it become an e-commerce site? Oh, that's a good question. So security is definitely one of those things. So a lot of the payment gateway solutions kind of come with the security. So as you're setting up your website and your custom domain, just making sure that you have that it's called an SSL, which is a security certificate. Um, It's like the little lock (laughs) that shows up in your URL bar as people are going to your website. So making sure that you have an SSL attached to your website, making sure that customer login pages are secured. And a lot of this kind of goes along with the platform that you build your website on. Only if you have a completely custom solution will you have to kind of worry about implementing these things yourself. But the making sure that you do have that security, you do have a actual payment gateway provider. And a lot of the existing payment providers have just kind of options where you can connect that provider to a website. So PayPal has an option, like Stripe has an option where you can just connect an existing solution to a website and still have that be secure and have that client data and client information be secure as well. But from a hey, I'd like to have a website. I'd like to make it uh, secure and I want to make sure that there's a payment gateway on it. Definitely making sure that at your server or hosting level, there is an SSL or some sort of security option. And then aside from that, there are options for collecting customer information. So if you wanted to have a mailing list where customers can or clients can subscribe and get your newsletter or get updates or even get SMS text messaging, there are different plugins and platforms that you can use to capture that customer information. And so from a security perspective, that security certificate and some of those other, like they call them the CAPTCHA, which is basically the prove that you're human security efforts, those things can be added to the websites as well. And they're fairly easy to connect. It's much easier to connect than it has been in the future. But you know, if you just, and I know that lawyers and attorneys are very cognizant of this, but to say, hey, I want to make sure that my customer information is secure. What types of things do I need? So that security certificate, kind of point of entry security features like that CAPTCHA, like that prove that you're human step, like things like that. And then secure platforms like Stripes and PayPal's and things like that. Those are important. Yeah. So I I wanted to add two legal specific things that, so I know LawPay is is basically a, a bank and a payment processing system that lawyers use. And it's specifically set up for the way that law firms process payments and take into their accounting is is different than other industries. And so LawPay accounts for all of that. So that one I highly recommend. Also, I know that Clio and other kind of legal software, practice management software has connections to take payment processing in, in as part of their, their system. As opposed to, I've had clients who literally just connected on their 
website to their bank. And this I don't recommend, where they had a form on the page within their domain where they were taking payments. And it was such, so problematic because it just kept getting hacked because it just didn't have enough security. So what what does work is if you have a link on the website and then it from that link, it goes into the bank's website because the bank has all different levels of security on top of the SSL that prevents all that nasty spam. And, and then it's also off your domain. And so you, you don't get hit with all that stuff. So those are just a few things I've seen. Yeah, and just from a paperwork perspective, and I know I don't have to tell attorneys or lawyers this at all, but just from a a paperwork and and having receipts, literal and figurative receipts, being able to track those transactions and issue invoices and apply those payments to accounts, like having a system kind of around that is super helpful. So you don't necessarily want a naked payment gateway or a naked gateway to a bank just to process payments. You really just want to include that in your customer or client experience. And from a branding perspective, like having your logo on things and having things date and time stamped and associated with the actual services being rendered is super helpful. So yes, definitely a little bit of structure. Yeah, (laughs) lots of security. (laughs) Yep. So what kind of mistakes do you see people make with overall e-commerce, the way they set things up? We were talking a lot about security, maybe security mistakes, but what kind of mistakes do you see that are kind of common in the way people do e-commerce with their websites? Yes. So there are so many website and e-commerce solutions available. And the solutions vary based on what you're doing. So there are a lot of people out here that sell at marketplaces and pop-ups and and basically in-person. And their website is an extension of that. So you you have like an in-person presence, like a POS or point of sale system, and you have a website to go along with that. But for somebody who only has an online presence, like a, a platform that supports that point of sale services a little bit overkill. So the the thing that I see people kind of falter the most is just picking the wrong platform. So is there a point of sale option? Do you need a point of sale option? Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) If you're an attorney. Yeah, most law firms, um, they're not going to like actually hand over a credit card at at your front office desk. They feel kind of awkward. If you are selling (laughs) apricots at a farmer's market, yeah, you're going to need that thing where you can swipe somebody's credit card right there. But yeah, I mean, you have to kind of think about who you're selling to and and how that all kind of normally plays out. As you said that, I thought about merch. Like, what if I opened my law firm and I just had like Smith Incorporated, <laughs> Smith and Partners, and I'm selling t-shirts. If I'm yeah. selling t-shirts in the lobby, then by all means, have a point of sale system. But it's kind of probably weird, overkill. But okay. But to, yeah. to just kind of add on to that. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Hey, to each his yeah. own. I'm not, I won't knock it. Like, yeah, I know. I, people buy all kinds of things these days. So I would not be exactly. surprised. But right. to, to kind of add on to that, the in terms of finding the right fit in a platform, some platforms require a lot more upkeep and updating than others. And so what you don't want to do is like knowing that you're super busy and you have a very heavy client load and you're not able to kind of spend a couple of hours per week on this website to pick a platform that requires a lot of attention and updates. Because as soon as something gets like unupdated, essentially, then you are at risk for hackers and security flaws and things like that. 
Yeah, so if you are, do especially if you're doing this yourself, especially if this is something that you want to manage yourself, make sure that the platform that you pick is one that can do some of those updates behind the scenes for you. Or if you just have all the free time in the world, pick one that requires you to spend a lot of time on it. But just make sure that you have the right one. Either way, just make sure that you have the right one. So what platforms do you recommend? I know you're a big fan of Shopify. What what platforms do you recommend? And then what platforms fit under that category of like, they sound like they're just high maintenance? Yes. So I recommend Shopify for product base. I mean, if you are selling merch in the lobby, then Shopify is probably a great platform for you. The only other time I would recommend um, Shopify for a non-product based business would be for maybe like digital downloads. So if you're selling courses or books or like something that can actually be shipped, then I think Shopify would potentially be a good platform. But for service providers, I think there are much better e-commerce centered platforms that include some of the things that really service providers need. So like lead generation and capturing information and doing the funnel things. And so for service providers, I actually think that there's a platform called Kartra, which is a really good platform as a standalone option and also as one that can be embedded in an existing website that takes all of the technical things kind of out of it. I am not sponsored in any way. Let me just say that. I know, I, speaking of disclaimers, not sponsored. <laughs> yeah. I am not like, <laughs> this is not. No, but it's good to know because there are so many different options out there. So what are the what are the ones on the other side of the list that you, that you don't recommend that are kind of high maintenance? Because I, I have feeling I know what you're going to say, but I'm curious to hear. Yes, I know. Like, I really just, uh, as a person who has built her own website on WordPress, I do not recommend WordPress for people who are very pressed for time, just because it is, as an open source platform, there are compatibility issues with the different things. So it's really great. The strength of WordPress is also the weakness of WordPress. The strength is, hey, you can basically get a lot of functionality from lots of different places through this open source framework. But that means that all of those things have to be constantly updated to remain compatible with each other. And the biggest challenge that I've seen, even for me personally, as someone who builds websites for a living, is keeping that compatibility up to date. And as things change, making sure that they still work very well together. So unless you moonlight as a web designer, or you just have an abundance of free time or the budget to hire someone to kind of really pay attention to this and keep it updated, I would not necessarily recommend WordPress for like a solopreneur or someone who's operating a very small office and doesn't just have resources to dedicate to the maintenance and updates for a WordPress site. Yeah, we do solely WordPress sites. And then we have a lot of clients who are uh, use our maintenance plan. And the clients who have e-commerce sites, it's significantly more expensive for exactly the reasons that you're describing. What we're doing on a regular basis for those websites is a ridiculous amount of more time than the sites that, that are not e-commerce. And the fact that like when these things break or aren't quite updated within the first three minutes, thing, things start to fall apart and that's their sales. So you have to be on top of this stuff very regularly. So I really, if, if you have a WordPress site, which I'd say the majority of firms' websites are built on WordPress, you really have to have someone managing it and maintaining it and keeping up with it. And it shouldn't really be an, somebody who's a lawyer or someone inside your law firm. You need an expert doing this because you're, you're at the next level of technical requirements for a website at this point. 
Absolutely. And like just having that not go right opens you up to just a lot of risk. And I know that lawyers are risk averse. Like this is not that's not something that you should want to do. Like stay in your lane. <laughs> like, do what yeah, you do exactly. well, I feel which like is protect people. Yeah, from and that's risk. just something to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's something to know going in. If you're building, if you're adding an e-commerce element to your site, you are taking it to this next level and it really is going to require a babysitter, basically. And so make sure you get that babysitter who knows what they're doing so that it doesn't create this giant mess for you. Because hacking a regular website is one thing, but hacking an e-commerce website is is next level messy. Right. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to talk people out of it because I think that a website done really well can be an asset for your business. It's almost like an extra person or an extra kind of staff arm of your business that can help you manage things like onboarding customers and clients and submitting trouble tickets or doing billing and payments and providing help documents and things like that and like statuses on things that you're working on for them. And I think that that takes a lot of the person power out of running a business. However, there is there is some attention that needs to be paid to that. So if you kind of consider that it is essentially a salaried part of your business, I think that's it's a lot easier to kind of manage and think about that way. Yeah, absolutely. And just to, to take care of it, make sure that you recognize that there's a little more that goes in here and take care of that. All right, so it is time for the book recommendation. So Catherine, let, let us know what is the book that you are going to recommend? I know you've got an interesting one to talk about. And our lawyers are so busy that they really just want to spend time reading the books that are that are worthwhile. So so what's the book that you have that you read that that you want to recommend? That's really funny. So I, I, I do a, a lot of reading, but not a lot of e-commerce reading. So a lot of, not books anyway. So a lot of the books that I've been reading recently are either memoirs or kind of like historical based books. And one that I read recently that I really think was a good book was called Girly Drinks. Um, and it was about the history of basically women in the alcohol industry because there's not a lot of visibility. And women have been operating behind the scenes for hundreds, if not thousands of years when it comes to like drinking and the culture associated with that. And I think that that's a really good book to read. Books like that are really good to read to understand how we've gotten to where we are as a culture, as an industry, as a society. And who were those people that have been overlooked? You're like, ah, women didn't get into brewing. And you're like, nah, women have been brewing for a while. So it was very, that book specifically, extremely entertaining as an audiobook and also as a book as well. There's some recipes in it and informative. And really, it's just really helpful to kind of understand like, how women have been operating behind the scenes and helped us have, get to where we are as a culture, as a drinking culture, and, and made, honestly, some breakthroughs in that industry. So I really like that book, and it's called Girly Drinks, and books like that that really just help you kind of understand, like, the history behind the history. I feel like that's so inspiring for entrepreneurs because, and especially women entrepreneurs, because in so many ways, a lot of us feel like we're blazing these new trails, and, you know, there's... There's not, when you look to business books, it's 90% written by men. And so I actively seek out business books written by women. And it's not super easy to find. It's basically like lean in, like Sheryl Sandberg, who's a billionaire. And 
I don't really relate to her on any level. Like <laughs> I didn't have a similar career path as she did. And so like she's got some good things to say, but these kinds of books are cool because it's like, okay, who are these people who have been overlooked, who are behind the scenes, but who are really driving the course of this industry and the business and everything? And like what lessons can we learn from, you know, the things that they did? That that sounds amazing. We will obviously link to that book in the show notes. It'll and it'll be added to our library, but that sounds like an awesome thing. Plus, I love it when they're a little bit entertaining too. Like that always adds oh, a little it's extra. Very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Catherine, what's one thing that that works? Consistency. Consistency is a thing. Like just generally in business, but also in e- e-commerce, I get so many people who come to me and say, "Hey, I built this website and nobody's coming to it." And you're just like, "Hey, have you told anybody about it?" And they're like, "No." And it's like, "Hey, have you put any new content out there?" And they're like, "No." So in the same way that you show up for your business every day, in the same way that you get up and put on your shoes and leave the house, if you leave the house or go and sit down in front of that computer, work on your website like a just another part of your business and show up consistently. So create new content. If you want to be a thought leader, be a thought leader and show up consistently in that. And I've seen that work. And it's not necessarily overnight viral success like some some people online, but over time, it will pay off. It will pay dividends. And so if you, I, I tell that to my clients and I say, you, you just have to trust me on that. You just got to show up consistently and keep doing it. And it gets easier, but it also, you get more traction. There's definitely a tipping point. Yeah, I think this idea of the overnight success is, it's just such a unicorn, but everybody assumes that's how everyone else made it. And it's like, yeah, it was like a 10-year overnight uh, success. Like, I spent 10 years, and then all of a sudden, boom, one thing kind of took off and did really well. But there was 10 years of trying a lot of other things before that that didn't do so well, or that that they did well and whatever. But all of a sudden, now you're aware of me, and you, you somehow think that was an overnight success. But most of the time, that's not the case. Absolutely. I I made the joke recently that my return on struggle, my ROS, was about three years. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I love that. The return on struggle. That is so good because I feel like people really downplay the amount of struggle that goes into success. And so you kind of just have to own that and recognize, okay, I'm going to work through this like any exercise or any other thing. And we assume that when we want to get fit and exercise or whatever, we're going to have to struggle and sweat. And that's just part of the process. And it's like, okay, most of life is actually kind of like that. <laughs> like we're, there's going to be some kind of struggle in in some way, but people want to fast track that. And I feel like in especially in SEO clients where they're like, okay, if I hire you today, how many minutes is it going to take before? It's like, okay, you need to take a deep breath and step back. That's just not how it's right. going to work. Yeah, right. And Right. It's it's really difficult to see that unless you're able to literally draw a direct line between the inputs and the outputs. And that's why I joked that it was three years, because some of the opportunities that are coming up for me now are based on things I literally did two and a half to three years ago. So it's just like, oh, I did that like two years. Like, oh, <laughs> so the return on struggle period for me is about three years. That's that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's such a great takeaway and just kind of a good way to for people to to take that step back, recognize that these things take time and to try to find some patience with the whole process. 
Yeah. So what's one big takeaway that you want listeners to get from this episode? There's so many good little nuggets that we have through throughout the whole episode that we talked about. But what's that's what's one big one that you'd like people to kind of walk away with? That e-commerce is everything. <laughs> like everything is e-commerce, I guess is a better way to say that. So this is not, hey, I'm selling t-shirts online. This is hey, I'd like to do business in a very modern way and in the way of the future or the way the modern way to really just make it a seamless experience for my clients, for my customers and for myself as a professional part of my business and as a reinforcement of my brand, like e-commerce, like my business is an e-commerce business, even if I do not sell products in the traditional sense of e-commerce. Oh, I think that's so good. And it's just a way of, I mean, you're you're taking payments in a traditional way. Like there's, you have a process for that, hopefully, of invoicing your clients and whatever. And this is just a way to bring it and expand it and bring it online. And, but then also consider all that security and all of the, all the kind of necessary pieces that you need to add in to, to take care of it. But I think that's, that's so interesting. And I really appreciate this conversation because I really do think this is going to be a light bulb moment for a lot of listeners that are like, oh, wait a second, maybe not. Like they kind of take a little left turn in their thinking. It's going to be interesting to hear from people. Awesome. So Catherine Smith is a business consultant and obviously e-commerce expert. Thank you so much for this conversation and for being here today. I I think there's so much good, awesome value that people are going to get out of it. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.